Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Hey, this is Guys with Bibles. I'm Scott. I'm Sean. And I'm Lee. Yes, I'm Lee. No. Swear to me. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, you gotta do your Con Air voice. <laughs> Which of uh, of Cyrus? Cyrus yes. the virus. Yes, Cyrus the virus. Which line do you want me to do? No, uh, that's one of your clever. favorites. What? One of your favorites. Oh, man. Uh, oh, great. Now I'm on the spot. Um. Wow. Wow. Wow, Lee. You, you suck. You are unbelievable. You know, all right, so back to Nehemiah 8. We are on Nehemiah 8 today. Um, we covered a little bit in our last episode, and we are going to kind of go through the first half real quick just to catch everyone up. Um, so... Who wants to get us started? Nehemiah, verse 1. Let's just get the CSB out of the way. Yeah, let's so get that out of so the way, because I cannot... Uh, that way we don't have to hear it anymore. Oh, you want me... What, where do you want me to no, read No, we don't want you to even start. So, uh, so <laughs> anyway, I'm kidding. So, let's just catch it back up. We'll go through um, 1 through 8. We'll just kind of discuss... Um, so what? So what is happening here in verses one through eight um, that you guys saw? That's very important for the reader to catch an eye on. Well, they're 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 gathering for worship. Okay, right, right. So they're gathering to uh, overhear and listen to the law, right? Um, right. Ez, Ezra is basically and they're beginning a festival. Right, right, and it's we'll get to that, which is the Feast of Boots, and um, so what they're doing. So anyway, so what what Ezra is doing right now? He is getting ready to proclaim God's word in front of the Israelites after their their many years in slavery uh, in Babylon when they were divided um, amongst this this time, um, and basically Ezra becomes a preacher at this point in time. Right, right. he goes from prophet to preacher right so now he is preaching and what's really cool um as you get into um ezra in verse four is at a podium and it's a wooden podium which is basically like a pulpit pulpit. right it's like just like the pulpit which and if we look at this the pulpit is at front and center of the entire congregation so it's 
it's right where the Bible is laid out in front where all can see, and he is preaching from God's word. Um, he has and it's a bunch the, of these it's men central to what they're doing. Right, right. It, it's basically gathering everyone around so that they can hear God's word proclaimed. Um, and what's really neat is that he has these men that are sitting next to him up on stage, which is it's kind of it's a platform, um, which uh, I think in John MacArthur's commentary, Some would um, call he it says a dais. that it's uh, yes, it's like a large stage, a large platform, um, and they were all sitting up there and agreeing with what Ezra was proclaiming out of the Word of God. Oh, and he's also um, surrounded by elders as well. That's right. another another reference we talked about in the last Nehemiah episode. That he also not only is Ezra acting as a as a pastor, but then he's also got the elders of the community there as well, which is kind of analogous to an elder led church in the uh, in the uh, in the era we're in. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, those um, the the guys that he mentions as the elders we assume that they're elders because typically in Ezra and Nehemiah, when somebody is a priest or a Levite, they are specified as such. And these men are not um, called priests or Levites. So they're actually just like lay, lay people that are probably elders, upstanding men in the community. Right. But as you get into chapter 9, um, you get into, uh, I think it is verse 5, um, actually the verse 4. Now on the Levites' platform stood Jeshua, Benai, Cadmiel, Shebaniah. Yeah. And even I mean, in, even in uh, chapter 8, the Levites um, are up there and yeah. are helping to explain the law to the people. So there's there's two different sets of people up there. Right. And what what's really interesting, this is what I found really interesting, is the people heard God's word and they fell to their faces and worshipped, arms raised, hands on the ground, face to the dirt, and they were in a vulnerable position. They what did you call this? Sean earlier today. Um, yeah, we were at work discussing this. Uh, yeah, uh, they were laying prostrate. Yeah, and um, which which not I found prostate, very... prostrate. <laughs> yeah, which I found found really interesting how they worshipped then when they heard God's word and they and they bowed. Right, we sat in chairs. We don't. We never bow, which I found kind of disheartening because I don't know. I think that is a proper biblical way of worship to God. But I mean you know who bows we, a lot of a lot of things have changed over the Catholics. time over time. Yes. Yeah, Catholics say, do it. In a legalistic but, way. Right, right. It's Not just out of yeah. it's just strange that that we no longer do that, which I don't know why right. why it stopped. Or well, if you see here, the the reason they're bowing here is mainly grief over their sin. Right, and, and they're, and they're people, confessing their sins. I think maybe the way we grieve for our sins now in the New Covenant 
um, is a different kind of grief. It's not a heartbreaking grief because we have assurance that we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. So we're not we're not grieving because we sense spiritual death on the other side of our of our sin. Um, we grieve because we have um, we've offended against our heavenly Father. You know, at this point, they don't have the the heavenly Father type relationship that that we right. have. So I, I'm I wonder if maybe there's a reason <clears throat> that they that we don't bow this same way because it, we don't have. I'm just going off the cuff here, but we don't have the same type of grief involved in our repentance now. Right. That's a good yeah. That's I mean, a good I, don't, I don't have any knowledge about the form of worship that they did back in the Old Testament to compared to what we do now. Um, any Cause that, history cause that's, on that's it. how the Muslims view it as well, because they, they bow, they do several kinds of prostrations when they go, uh, right. when they get together. Uh, even, and it's, and it's all Daniel, legalistic. Yeah, Daniel also, he does the bowing, but he bows towards the holy city um, yeah. in the direction um, when he prays. So, I mean, there's different types of... Uh, well, and even we, we bow our worship. heads. You know, we lower our right. heads often when we pray, but it's not a, a required stance. Right. Wow. There, uh, I know in one of the, in the, I forget what month it was, I think it was March maybe, of Table Talk that had the prayer... Uh, uh-huh. issue yeah. where it was just multiple questions yeah. about prayer and one of them was about the positions of prayer and uh the i forget the author this is going to kill me i'm gonna have to go back and look but um made some really good points about how throughout the bible we see so many different types of positions for prayer uh and it depends on what the prayer is so you can pray you can make a, a biblical case for prayer in pretty much any position standing seated kneeling lying prostrate on the ground, all those kinds of things, depending on the type of prayer. And I see, I could see how you can make a case for certain things um, uh, regarding what we're talking about here, too. Right. Because this is repentant prayer that we're talking about. Right. Yeah, I just found that very interesting, and I don't know if any of the readers would catch that or uh, notice it, but... Yeah, it's just it's very and then they very and then they, they lift their hands too, right? So they they bow their heads and they lift their hands. So you know it's just it's just an interesting. It's so foreign. They were to, hand to, raisers. <laughs> hey, you know he, here every, every head bowed, every eye closed. Raise that hand. You got it right <laughs> I here. I see you. I see you. They're having themselves a little glow ray revival. <laughs> holding the holding the TV, holding a large TV, you know. Spreading my fish is this big. Case, my fish is this big. Know? My fish is this big. Yep, yep. Pointer. Anyway. Hatchet schoolroom. Yep, yep. Yeah, pointer hatchet schoolroom. Yeah. Uh, forget the other changing one. Two light light bulbs, bulbs, changing two light Simba. bulbs. Changing two light bulbs. Yeah. Raising Simba. Yeah. I can't. High fiving God. Yeah. There's a couple of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, we Baptists, we don't do that. <laughs> no. Um, so good, you we use, we rehashed kind of the what was at the tail end of the last Nehemiah episode. I was curious about verse eight. Um, I'm I'm reading read ESV the book, right here from the Law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. 
I, so there must yeah. have been different dialects. Well, I think maybe that's part of it because well, I mean they were they were coming out of uh, of an Aramaic speaking area, so part potentially it had to do with language. I think in my in my mind what we see here is uh, an Old Testament example of biblical exposition. I was going to say this is expository preaching. Yeah, because oh, not only we do we go. read from the book, but we're also going to, you know, the the overused word, we're going to unpack it so that everybody gets the, the, the sense. I love that it says in the ESV, and they gave the sense. Because you could hear the word of God, sure, and that does have power, but I know I've been helped greatly by not only hearing the word read, but then also hearing it explained in a sermon or in a teaching or something like that, in application made. And I kind of see this right. as kind of a way of them saying, we're giving you the sense so that people understand the reading, because when you understand the reading of the Word of God, uh, your your next step is to make application, to learn from it and apply it to your life. The CSB right is actually even more clear. Oh, is it? <laughs> is it, it? It, says, it says translating and giving the meaning. Well, so that the people could faithful and true what was read. So, same thing, right? Faithful and true. It is trademark. So anyway, I, oh. I thought that was interesting. Right. Because... <laughs> Sorry, I went to sleep there. <laughs> well, I know that, and the I think the reason I held onto this so tight is because you know there are so many people that say. Um, like, for instance, Andy Stanley says that uh, expository preaching is just cheating um, because you're just saying How the same thing. How is that cheating? Because he, he says, basically, you're saying the same thing the Bible says. What you're, The sermon you prepare is basically just restating what the, the Bible says in different words. So, so he is wanting to preach something that's not in accordance with the word. Right. He, well, obviously, he, you, if he wants to unhitch from the Old Testament. Yeah, you want to preach in in the in the church growth model. You want to preach things that address the felt needs of the people in the congregation. So it may have nothing no, to do want, with the he Bible. He wants at to all. preach. He wants to preach and scratch itching ears, so he doesn't have to. Uh, so so people come and listen to him, even though yeah, there's money on the line. Their hearing isn't going to be beneficial to them. Right. right. Like like Lee said, there's money on the line. Which is Fish totally posh. not what Ezra's going for here, because they recognize that there's a desperate need for repentance, even in the covenant basically, people of God. Yeah, right. Andy Stanley is basically making God as a uh, way of making money right. instead of what it's truly inspired to do. Right. Which a, a lot of pastors are doing that today, like Steve... Erdrich, you know, you got Joel Olstein, you got Keflo Dollar, you got Benny Hinn. What's that? Joyce Myers. Now, who's that one lady that's uh, taking taking over the SBC? Beth Moore. Uh, Beth Moore. Yeah. Yeah. Easy, Pete. You talk. Yeah, you talk about uh, running after filthy lucre. That's her to a T because, like, she. Everything she does, she either writes down or records on video or does both. Everything's got a price tag. Oh, you know, I'm sure. it's funny. I, I started listening to the uh, the Pastor Well podcast with Herschel York. 
You guys, have you listened to that? No, I don't. This think is I so am. off topic. But I, I'm t- this. <laughs> I've heard of it. Okay, so basically, Herschel York is the Southern Baptist version of Colonel Sanders without the without the chicken, at least from what I can tell. <laughs> Finger okay. looking good. He's got a great. He's got a great accent, but he did a uh, a an, a uh, an episode recently with John Onwuchekwa on church planning prayer Who and is preaching. This? John Onwuchekwa. Okay. He wrote a Never book on prayer for nine marks. He's a pastor in Georgia, and they were talking about church planning. And uh, Herschel York, I guess, had done work with um, Cuban Christians in church planning in Cuba. And he said there's absolutely no money being being utilized in planning churches there because nobody has any. Everything's totally right. gr- grassroots. And they, they both agreed. They said, you know, everybody makes this thing in the U.S. where your church model has to be financially sustainable and where you plant your church greatly depends on how much money you think you'll be able to pull in from the residents of that area and if you go to a low-income area your church is going to fail because those people don't have money to to give to the church and and he said you know you go anywhere outside the u.s that doesn't even factor in if there's people to serve they plant a church and i thought that's just that's really refreshing to think about and that's to bring it back to Nehemiah. That's exactly what they're doing here. I mean, they've they've spent all this time uh, putting the temple back together because that was where God promised that His name would be. But what they're doing right now is totally essential and has nothing to do with making somebody right. famous. Right. It's bringing God back to the center. It was about God's name and His honor and His house that He had blessed him and promised that his name would in his presence would be there well all right so as we go through verses 9 through 12 um what do you guys think about this this day is holy why they're even saying that this day is holy is because these people were mourning and weeping over their sin because they're hearing the law, they're being crushed by the law. Right. And, and they're, this is actually, basically, the Levites and the priests and Ezra are, are now preaching. They've turned from the law, and now they're starting to preach the gospel to these people, in a sense. They say, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep for all the uh, for all the Go and weeping. eat the fat. Drink yeah, the, the they sweet eat what is rich. Drink the sweet the wine. Yeah, yeah they man. want they want to celebrate in in their assurance that God is their salvation. Exactly, he, exactly. he is their rock. And, so uh, in, that's what they're celebrating here in Leviticus twenty three, uh, starting in verse thirty three. That's where God um, gives the rules for the feast of booths. And uh, on on didn't we read it last last episode? I can't remember if we did or not. I'll I'll just remember. go here, uh, twenty three thirty nine. On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you've gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a solemn rest, and on the eighth day shall be a solemn rest. So they're on the first day here. Um, you shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. So very clearly there, 
even though it's solemn, it's an important solemn assembly that they're undertaking, it, it's still joyous. So even though they have sins to repent of, they have to realize that in the midst of their repentance, they should have joy because they're, they're going to be forgiven. And before they've even yeah, made they... a sacrifice, Nehemiah tells them in verse 10, you know, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, do not, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, they hadn't even made a sacrifice yet, and already he was kind of delivering the promise to them, God is your strength. You don't right. have to be grieved. And they they have this assurance strictly based on God's promises and in the covenants. Yeah, God doesn't break his covenant, even when yes. we break it. We break it all the time, but... but well, maybe you not, do, but I'm not, sanctified. Not God. Yeah, how oh, dare true. you? How dare you, Sean? <laughs> I oh, am a wretched, wretched gosh. man. I can't even believe we're doing this podcast. <laughs> you know you're supposed to live a perfect life. Because the whole the whole point of the festival is to is to show that we're sojourners, um, that no matter where we are, we're not home. You know that's why they made right. the booths out of the out of the um, the the boughs and the tree trimmings and and whatnot. And we've got to right. share with each other because we're as a community, as God's chosen people, we're in this together. Right. And I believe in 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 the booths when they're we're ma- they're making the booths the the ceiling is open. Yeah, you have to be right. able to see the stars. See the, the roof. see the stars in the sky, right? And you're constantly looking up, where you're basically relying on God the entire mm-hmm. time. Yeah, yeah, and they. Which I and, didn't know if any of our readers knew that, so or listeners. And uh, and they made them on on the roofs of the houses. And, you know, you think they've done all this work. They've just rebuilt all these houses, brought everybody back home, and here they are camping out on on the flat roofs in these makeshift tents. They literally just moved in not that long ago, and they're already reminding themselves that they're not really home. Right. It's uh, kind of sobering. Now, as we jump down into verse 13, and we work our way to chapter 9, um... What I really found interesting, so verse 13 starts it off with the Feast of Booths, but it starts it off in a different setting um, right off the rip. Um, And then on the second day, the heads of the fathers' households of all the people, the priests and the Levites were gathered to Ezra, the scribe, that they might gain insight into the word of the law. So they were looking to Ezra for teaching so that they could... Again, because one day wasn't enough. Right. Exactly. And so they could give insight to the people while he was preaching, which I thought was really cool. It is cool. Because the point of these festivals is is not only to, you know, remind remind the, the people of God that, that they're not home, but it's also every festival is about relying on God. And the right. best thing you can do when you're when you're reminding yourself of that is to go back to the word and, and continue to learn more about God and who he is and what he does. Right. And this also shows the role of leadership and like the roles of leadership inside the church. So the elders, they are, they, they learn from the pastor, right? 
the pastor teaches the elders, but they all learn from each other in a, in a sense of no matter what. But then the elders are able to reach out into the congregation where the pastor is not able to make his way. Um, he is basically to proclaim the word to the congregation, but the elders are to help nourish the congregation. Um, so I think that's really neat right here that we see them taking action and wanting to learn and understand what he is teaching. Totally. Sean, what do you have? I'm sitting here reading out of my NASB Cambridge well, I'm, wide margin. I'm trying to... Uh, you already talked about the branches of olive and all that stuff, right? Just briefly. Briefly, yeah. They did... Uh, they gathered at the same spot they did prior, Correct. They gathered at the water gate. Yes. And uh, kind of an interesting note in my study Bible here, the reason, some of the reasons, uh, it's not stated why Ezra chose to have the assembly and the reading of the law at the water gate than at the temple. Some speculate that tension between Nehemiah and the priests, some of whom were allied with Tobiah the Ammonite, may have encouraged Ezra and Nehemiah uh, to have the meeting away from the temple complex, and it is possible that the size of the crowd demanded a different location. Exact. So that's just kind of a interesting note. We don't really know why he chose that location, but for some reason it was it was specific enough that they had to put it in here. Um, you would assume that they would gather at the temple. I mean, at least I would. Well, and it could be that there are there were parts of the temple that were still kind of under construction. Under construction, right. I wonder if maybe um, the consensus, since it was the Feast of Booze, maybe they don't go in the temple. True. I don't know. I don't True. know what the historicity of that would be. I mean, obviously there's no temple right. now, so that doesn't factor into contemporary Judaism, but... Um, it could be that if they're reminding themselves that they're not home, that they may be exiled from God's presence in the temple. And so they worshiped, um, and read and sang out, out in the square rather than going into the house of God or even in the outer courts and not actually going in to the actual, you know, official worship areas. Right. Right. Could this also be like a central area? The uh, the water gate. Um, the water gate is on the. Um, well, it's it's kind of in the middle of the of the city, where the uh, Gihon Spring would come in. Because historians think that the water gate is named for where that spring feeds into the city of Jerusalem. Um, that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, water gate and the dung gate super important. Trying to yeah. find. Um, Love me some Dungate. I had a nice little. Uh, I need to get my map out. Oh man, where is it at? I'm in my uh, Quintel. I gotta let's see. If I'm flipping my Bible around here. Here we go. All right. Yeah, actually, the Watergate is down. It's further down south. The temple is more central. Hmm. So I yeah I just I thought that was 
interesting that, I mean, yeah, they just built the temple and it probably still, you know, a little yeah. bit of construction going on. Or yeah, why or they met at they the need... Watergate, I have no idea. But it's just kind of, no one really knows why there's speculations and stuff. Well, I mean, you could not... speculate there's some symbolism with being sprinkled with clean water, as we will learn later in Ezekiel. You know, water has always been associated with renewal. Uh, they would be, um, they would already be aware of ritual washing anyway to yeah. cleanse yeah. Uh, uncleanness. So it could be they gathered there so that they could bathe and become ritually clean and participate in the worship. Because, you know, some people, because of what what may have happened before a festival, may not have been able to participate uh, because of various, you know, types of ritual uncleanness. So right. maybe Which going there by the source of water may have um, permitted uh, more people to be able to participate because they didn't have to go very far to ritually bathe. Right. Who knows? It's an idea. But but uh, the only other thing I had was in verse 18, so... I have one small note for, for verse 17, actually. Okay, now, do that. I don't know what you guys... Uh, I don't have a NASB in front of me. I think it says this, though. In verse 17, it says, For from the days of Yeshua, the son of Nun, to that day the people of Israel had not done so. Yeah, mine just says Joshua. Oh, so it says Joshua in NASB? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. CSB also yeah. says Joshua. Interesting. Yeah, so in verse 17 where it says Yeshua, son of Nun, in ESV, it's drawing out that link between Joshua and Jesus, right. yeah, which I is li- something that, I like, that is... I like that. Now is, it's lost on us a lot. Is that the ESV? ESV. The Edomite Standard Version? Yeah, J- okay. J-E-S-H-U-A. <laughs> and of course, we know it's him because it says Yeshua, son of Nun. Yeah, right. that, uh, and that, which, that specifies that's Joshua. Yeah. So, that's you know, we, we, get another, we get another messianic... Uh, spoiler here you know that just just like joshua was going to lead the people across the jordan and into the promised land uh as he did that that jesus who bears the same name would not only he would do that on a on a spiritual and and final level uh whereas joshua's deliverance was just temporal but jesus would deliver his people from all sin I I just I liked seeing that I like seeing that here. Uh, good on you, uh, ESV, for putting Yeshua in there. About time you did something right. <laughs> but anyway, anyway that's it. Uh, verse eighteen reads: Ezra read out the book of the law of God every day from the first day to the last. The Israelites celebrated and f- the festival for seven. Seven days, and on the eighth day, there was an assembly according to the ordinance. So that's how central the word of God was to their worship during this festival. It was, it was preached every single day. Yep. Every, so how long he preached, I don't know. It's a camp meeting. But I'm assuming it wasn't a, a 40-minute sermon. Oh, no, this lasted all day. Which was so. I mean, he he was reading. He probably sun up to sundown. Yeah. So, 
or should I say sun sun down sun down to sun up sun down to sun up. <laughs> it was evening and then it was morning. Yeah, <laughs> the days are counted a little differently, but yeah, every every day was just packed full of of Torah teaching. Yeah, you're getting hammered. But hammered by I like the. Uh, but the, there's that one word in. In, in verse 18, the Israelites celebrated the festival. So mm-hmm. we can we can link that back to them celebrating that gospel hope of the Lord being the assurance of their salvation. So sure, sure, because because the 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 rock solid truth of God's covenant is totally intertwined in the in the law. That's how oh, David is it, able to it, praise the law constantly in the right. Psalms. The law points points you to your assurance that God is your salvation. Yeah, absolutely, because if he if he didn't treasure his people, he wouldn't give them the law. He would just obliterate them. Exactly. Yeah. You know, he he gives the law not only in the Old Testament, but even to us now. The way we've been talking in our Law and Gospel series that. In the law, we see the the perfect nature of God in His all encompassing holiness and justice, and 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 then by means of that, we see how we fall short, and that's where then the gospel comes in and picks us up where the law has smashed us apart. Because Jesus fulfilled the law, so on our behalf, we can now see we can see the the law as a tutor more than a judge. And it it teaches us um, to seek God in righteousness and to see where we fall short of that righteousness and then seek God for our forgiveness and our continued sanctification. Right. Hey, man, Brother Lee. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man, Brother Lee. Yeah, you just keep on preaching that right there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for you, son. That's That's... That's really all I got to say about that. Yeah, that's all I got to say. So that's that's pretty good. I think we. Here's the question. Well, Sean, where can they find us? Well, you can find us if you go to our website, guys. Sean lives at. Hey, (laughs) I don't want to hurt anybody. Now. Anyway, if you go to our website, guyswithbibles.com, you can read our blogs, and you can listen to our podcast feed on there. Or you could go over to iTunes or Google Play or Overcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts at and uh, subscribe to our podcast there. You can search for us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, uh, Guys With Bibles. We're on there. Uh, You can... Email us at guyswbibles at gmail.com if you have anything to say to us. And I think that's it. Is that it? You did so good. You get a Scooby Snack. Scooby Snack. Thank you. Thank you! And, uh, hey, we just want to thank you all for uh, liking our introduction, um, the song. And, yeah, go check out Hazakim. His new uh, CD called Origins. Um, he's the one who put this it's all so together. So good. It's really good. It's really oh, good. Oh, and if you guys really liked Reform Wrapped, um, is it Timothy? It's Timothy Brindle. Am I right? Timothy Brindle. Timothy Brindle. Yeah, yeah. Timothy Brindle. Why was I having a mind gap right there? 
But that, yeah, Timothy Brind- isn't he Brindle isn't Brindle a type of dog coat? Don't don't yes. ask me. But that dude but is a stud. There, oh, that dude is amazing. Dude, he's good, dude. He spits fire. I'm just just gonna tell straight you, straight straight fire. His song "Glory Fire." Oh gosh, ugh, it's nasty. And he better not take any antacids to kill the fire either. No, that dude yeah. is just amazing. His esophagus would thank him though if he did. <laughs> but all right, guys. Well, we're guys with Bibles, and we're out, and we'll see you next time. Later. No, you won't. It's a podcast. <laughs> oh, I uh, I remembered my uh, my Cyrus quote from Con Air. Oh, okay. I've got one. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it in at the end like a little bonus thing after the music cuts out. All right. Someone alerted the authorities at Carson today. <laughs> oh, That's funny. Oh, oh, John Malkovich. The last oh. thing little Casey Poe ever gets to smell will be my stinking breath. <laughs> Oh man, I just watched that movie a couple days ago. Dude, it popped up on Hulu the other day, and yeah, I'm like, I yeah. can't even watch it anymore. Because <laughs> I ruined it. After Lee has ruined it for me, I'm like, I can't even watch this movie. Well, see, I every I every watched I it. To Sinclair Ferguson, I'm I'm like, oh, BJ's. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> no, that's clever. Yeah, I I completely forgot about that, and then when he said that line, I cracked up and I had to turn the movie off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was I was like, like oh no, this movie is all ruined now. I can't even watch it. <laughs>